Praise God. Good morning, all. If you've got your notes there this morning, turn to Matthew's Gospel with me. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Today's message is, is one of the most important messages you'll ever hear, probably in your entire life. So keep your notes and, and open your spiritual ears. It's about the effects of unforgiveness the potentially eternal effects of unforgiveness and how lightly we as Christians can take that. In fact, I believe often do take it because we don't understand the way God perceives it. Just look up a moment. I was, I was dropping a guy at the Ibis Hotel in St. Vincent Street and I pulled up outside. I went to the ticket machine. I got my ticket. I put the ticket on the car. And I just happened to glance. And there was two traffic wardens walking down the street. I don't have a problem, do I? No. no. So I go into the hotel. I put the guy in the hotel. And a few minutes later, I come out. And there's a ticket on my car. Yeah. So I grab the parking ticket. And I grab the ticket I bought. And I run down the street. And I say to the guy, there's been a mistake. Look, look, I got my ticket. And he looked and he said, yeah, you got your ticket, but you put it on the wrong window. Oh. I said, what are you talking about? He said, read the machine. It says it's got to be on the, on the passenger side window. And you put it on the dashboard. Well. Wow. <laughs> Do you ever think about murdering anybody? <laughs> I Talk about it was parking rage. Not road rage, parking rage. I was so angry. I don't get angry. But I tell you that, I was so, so, so angry. But I'm busy. And I just kind of dismiss it. And there's a problem there. Th that is a, a, a trite, a silly little example. It's not that important. It's 30 quid, three points on my license or whatever, right? But it's no massive deal, apparently. But it, it is, you know. Because what a lot of Christians tend to do is, let's just forget about it. I, I've got unforgiveness in my heart towards someone. Someone's just offended me. I've got a grievance against someone. And it would be the easiest thing in the world, right? Just to be angry at that person. And believe me, I was furious. Easiest thing in the world just to turn and walk away and say, well, just forget it. But I just don't think God sees it that way. You'll understand by the end of this message. That's a, a silly example. But I, I mean, you know very serious examples. I grew up in a war zone. And we had plenty of serious examples where forgiveness is hard to, it's hard to get. One of my friends in school was a guy called Jerry McGee. And he was a very pleasant person. Always had a smile on his face. Very gregarious you know, he was a year beneath me in school, and he had a nine-year-old sister, and she was going to the corner shop, corner of our street, and that shop had saloon doors, and his sister stepped inside the door, and a car pulled up, a gunman got out, kicked the doors, and blew a shotgun, and blew the girl's head off. You see, she was nine, Jerry at that point was about 14. So that was bad. I knew the guy who pulled the trigger. I know who he is. He's dead now because Jerry killed him. What happened was, that was an event in our street. Okay? And Jerry began to change. And he went to a local place. We all knew, if you want to join the IRA, that's where you go. He went to a local place called the Felons Club. 
And he joined up with the IRA and he asked for permission to kill the three guys who were in that car, the driver, the shooter, and the other guy. And they gave him permission. It took Jerry three years to figure out a time, a location, an opportunity where he could go in with a machine gun and kill all three. And that is exactly what he did. He got them in a pool hole on a Saturday morning. He had been following them with surveillance. He goes into the pool hole and he kills all three of them. He got arrested. Actually, I was in Belfast and I met him. I was surprised to meet him because I thought he'd be locked up for life. And I said, you know, what are you doing out? And he said they released him on lack of evidence. He actually spent five years in jail on another crime. But my, my point is, the traffic warden is a silly little you know, incident where I could hold unforgiveness in my heart. But unforgiveness is unforgiveness, right? And the death of your sister, the murder of your sister, is a much more serious issue. And maybe we would take more time over it. But, you know, sin is sin, is sin is sin is sin, and unforgiveness is unforgiveness. And I want us to take hold this morning of some incredibly serious statements that God makes about you and your necessity to forgive everyone who hurts you. It is impossible to go through life without getting hurt, right? We're all going to get hurt, and you're going to get hurt badly. You've got a few options. Number one, you can retaliate. Can we do that? No, we can't retaliate. The second option is I'll just forget it. No, that's not good. That's like burying something alive. That's swallowing something alive and it remains inside us, right? And, but this is what most saved people do. And over the years, you know, with the pains of ministry, I've learned to keep very short accounts, very short you know, forgiveness, unforgiveness in me cannot be tolerated. And I would advise you to get to the same place. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Jesus here talks about what he sees unforgiveness like. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, that's you, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. That's you. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. That's you. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. That's you. Instead, he went off and had him thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went back and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called his servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. You see that? Now, folks, this is God doing this. 
This is a loving heavenly father. Notice, you know, just read scripture and believe what you read. He handed him over to be tortured. Okay? Until he paid back all that he owed. Now, there's a real principle there. I, you know, as a pastor, I visit some people who struggle with unforgiveness. They're tortured, you know. They, let, they, they can't sleep. They're tortured day and night with mental torments about this person or that person. And I often remember this scripture because I see it in the lives of Christians. And it's almost like God can give us over, if we're not careful, can give us over to be tormented until we operate in the principles of the kingdom. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. So many scriptures talk about forgiveness and unforgiveness in crystal clear fashion. There's no ambiguity on this topic. Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness. Come back to that in a moment. Rage and anger. Brawling and slander. Along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Jesus has forgiven you. If I could have my first slide, please. I want to look at a definition, if you like, of what unforgiveness is, how we would describe it. Well, number one, as we read in Matthew's gospel there with the unforgiving servant, it's when I refuse to give to others what God has given to me. When you don't forgive people, you've forgotten that you were forgiven. That's the bottom line. When you don't forgive easily, quickly, you've, you've become to some degree self-righteous. And really, when we don't forgive, it's because we feel that we're better than the person that we're holding that grudge against or we're holding the unforgiveness against. We feel that, you know, they don't deserve it. And that's pretty much what happened with the parable that Jesus gave. So it's refusing to give to others, that which Christ has freely given to you, freely you have received, now freely give. Now, there are many scriptures on that second point. It's like an acid, you know, if you remember once I asked Chris Lim to drink lemon juice, you know, because that's what it's like. Unforgiveness will burn you from the inside out. Someone once said, not forgiving someone is like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's a very good illustration. Precisely what we do. It's self-inflicted pain. Number three, we can't say that we don't have the choice on this because we do. Um, I think uh, in Liverpool, what, remember that Jamie Bulger? Remember that child that was killed when he was about three? And the two boys? I've seen that boy's mother on TV a hundred times, and every time I see her, what is she like? She's so bitter. She's tormented. I fully understand the enormity of what has happened to her, but I don't believe that she knows that she does have a choice. She would say, it's impossible for me to forgive. I can't let it go. But that's self-inflicted pain. It is a choice. This morning in our Liverpool church with Pastor Roy, the guy, the AOG pastor whose daughter was killed on the Lockerbie plane. Remember that? 
they, they, a plane blew up some years ago here in Scotland. Everybody was killed. And one of the people on, the board, on board was the daughter of an Assemblies of God pastor in London. And the they, BBC turned up with their cameras, actually. And that pastor was there. And they stuck the camera in his face, you know. And they said, tell us what you want to say. The whole world's listening sort of thing. The bomb had just gone off. And I tell you, it is to his eternal credit. That pastor looked into the camera on the BBC. And he said, I forgive. He hasn't found the body yet. Hasn't been a funeral yet. Goodness me. When anger is at its maximum, he was able to say, do you know what? I'm a Christian and I forgive the people who have done this terrible thing. And then 20 years go by and about 10 years ago when Gaddafi was still alive, if you remember, Gaddafi gave a gift of $2 million to every relative who had lost someone. Remember? That pastor received a gift of $2 million from Libya. And he gave it back to them for the homeless on the streets of Libya. He felt to do good. And today he's preaching, as I say, down in our Liverpool church. He, he understood that no matter how serious the issue was, he understood, I've still got a choice. I can do the Christian thing. I can. It is possible. And I tell you, folks, if that guy can forgive, we can forgive. Amen? Amen? He's a very good example of, of, uh, that we can follow. And I'm, I hope to God that most of us, uh, our pains and our injuries are not as severe as that. Number four, it involves self-inflicted pain. As I say, it, it's something that we do to ourselves because we don't appreciate the dangers of it. If you hold unforgiveness, that's, <laughs> that's your Christian life put on hold. So that's you stopped. You just pressed pause. As soon, and you'll see that in a moment. As soon as you kept that unforgiveness towards someone, in kingdom terms, everything stopped. Everything was put on pause until you are willing to go back and say, Do you know what? I've been forgiven. And I will forgive. I'm going to let it go in Jesus' name. Point six there is so important to me. I think this is a huge reason. When we don't forgive others, it's an act of pride. It means that I think I'm better than them, right? That's the bottom line. I think I don't need to forgive them. They don't deserve it. Of course, I deserve forgiveness, but they don't deserve forgiveness. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16 but for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, what does he call himself? Has anybody found it yet? <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16. This is Paul talking and he's given a description of himself. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the chief of sinners, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. Such an easy little line to read over. But that line for me describes the source of Paul's power. 
Who is the worst sinner in this room? Everybody looked at Mervyn then. What did you look at Mervyn for? <laughs> Just joking. Okay. Who is the worst sinner in the room? You know what, folks? Please, really seriously, with all of your heart, it is you. And the day that you don't think it's you is the day that you're on the road to not forgiving someone. Because you're going to look down on someone. When the Apostle Paul, through whom 16 books of your Bible come, the Apostle Paul, who was whipped five times, 39 lashes, when this guy can say that his self-perception, the way he sees himself, he needs to forgive those guys with the whips, by the way. He can say, I am the chief of all sinners. That gives me an insight into what my attitude should be. And when I lose that, I lose it. I lose it. I'll become self-righteous, judgmental, and I will hold on to unforgiveness. It's an act of rebellion against the very principles of the kingdom, to say the least. Look at Matthew's gospel. Please find this because I want you to see this. You won't believe it unless you see it. Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verse 9. Such a famous scripture. The, the disciples have asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And folks, I, I presume we're all praying for something, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, do you know what? <laughs> You're not going to get it if you hold on to unforgiveness. God will not answer your prayer unless you forgive. Your prayer gets stopped. Look at this. The Our Father, the famous Our Father. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's where the whole world stopped. And yet Jesus not stopped. Remember, the, 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 the verse numbers are not inspired. They're put there by men. So Jesus is still talking in verse 14, and he's ramming home the point about what they're asking him to teach them how to pray. These people can see that Jesus gets his prayers answered, and they want him to tell them how he does it. And he talks about forgiveness and many other things, but forgiveness is the one that's repeated three times, including verse 14. And he finishes the Our Father by saying in verse 14, for if you forgive people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you don't, read on. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Now, as I say, it's not ambiguous, is it? It's incredibly straight. It's very clear. He's adding to the fact that, by the way, they're asking him about prayer. And he said, that's fine. I'll answer your question about prayer. But it's a little bit more serious than that. You can't get your prayers answered unless you walk in forgiveness. But more than that is his point. Much worse than that. It's, it, you know, a million times worse than that. If you do not forgive others, you yourself cannot, will not be forgiven by God. So you begin to understand, folks, the, the pervasive nature 
of forgiveness in my life because it's going to be something that's going to come up day after day after day after day as long as I'm on this planet. And the more I try to do, the more hurts and the more pains are probably going to come my way. The second part of your notes there this morning. What are the consequences? What does it do to me? This is also an important point. Hebrews chapter 12, please. Point one is that it creates, if we're not careful, it creates bitterness, a root of bitterness. And scripture warns that this is a, an incredibly difficult thing to get out of your spirit because it's a root. It's not something on the surface. It's something that takes a hold of people. The consequences of unforgiveness Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace and forgiveness with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up within you. And really, the, the passage goes like this. We get unforgiveness in our heart. We get angry at someone. But the end result is... A bitter root. A bitter root grows up. And you know if you've ever tried to pull up a tree or pull out some roots, they can be very deep. They wangle themselves around the soil and the rocks and they're hard to get up. If we don't deal with these things in the early stages, they become bad. Really twisted around our personality in a very bad way. I was, it's not funny, but I was sharing in our cell group a couple of weeks ago, had this lovely lady in the church once, and she's really delightful, but she had some quirky little ways. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? And she came up to me one day and she said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she said, Pastor Mike, I want you to know that I have forgiven you for what you said to me two years ago. <laughs> I'm thinking two years ago, good Lord, I can't remember two minutes ago. And I looked at her and I thought, are you serious? Are you serious? You've been walking around with something against me for two years. I, I actually didn't let her go there. I didn't want to know what I said. I didn't want to know the scenario. She was a lovely lady, just not wise. Very foolish. Make you sick. That will make you very sick. Right. So I said to her, do you know what? Please forgive me. I've got a job to do. And sometimes you need to be forceful in that job. But I don't mean any harm, right? I don't. Please forgive me for whatever it was I said. Just let it go. I was with one couple for a... I shouldn't laugh at these things. In marriage... Look, it is funny. In a marriage guidance counseling session, you know, this couple not getting, up, getting on at all. Very unhappy with one another. And, and, and nearly impossible to get them to communicate with each other. But I was forceful. And I mean really forceful. I said, we're not going anywhere. Someone has to deal with this. Someone has to lance this boil and I'm going to do it. I want to know what the problem is. And it took forever. But eventually the woman erupted. And I will never forget the first statement. <laughs> the, her opening line was this. Ten years ago... Oh, 10 years ago, you did 10 years ago. Wow, 10 years. You mean you've been sitting there with that and then just out came a whole heap, a decade of struggles and strifes 
a bitter root, destroying from within. Terrible. You know, and I had to, to deal with that couple and take them back, you know. Because can, you can tell straight away what's happened there. It happens in many marriages. I said to that husband, one day, approximately 10 years ago, you came home and she wasn't happy. And you know what you did? You got a newspaper. And you pretended everything was okay. That was the beginning of the problem. You knew she was mad about something. And you thought it was probably you. So you didn't want to go there. And that left her then feeling unloved. Not knowing whether she wants to deal with it or not. And that was the beginning of your problem. You should have sat down and said, What is wrong? Otherwise, that person can swallow the thing alive. It's buried alive. And then the end result is, is physical unwellness and certainly marital you know, instability. So don't, don't, don't hide from those things. I remember Jeanette's a very happy, happy being, but we were traveling a few years ago. I remember we were at the airport and she was not happy. And that's not like her. But you learn these lessons, you know. And I went over to her. I was sitting in the waiting area. And I thought, mm, I've done something, you know. I've done something wrong. So I sat down and I said, what's wrong? Something's not right. And she looked at me and she said, I've lost my glasses. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, thank God. Whoa, I'm off the hook. Thank you. She, I lost my glasses. But something silly, something tiny little, silly little thing. It may not be. And you need to be willing and able on a multitude of situations. Don't let bitternesses. Don't let the sun go down to your anger. So in our home, we have a rule. It's almost like a 10-second rule. There will be no bad attitude. There will be no unforgiveness. There will be nothing will be left undone. Do not let that sun go down. On unforgiveness, on bitterness, on anger towards anyone. Because you may, the front part of your brain switches off, you know, when you go to sleep. But that subliminal part of you, that subconscious part of you, is racing away all night. And when you let the sun go down, what's happening is that unforgiveness is working its roots down into your psyche, down into your being, and you think it's gone only to come out 10 years later. Right? Be careful of that. Short accounts. Pray when you get up and pray as you lie down. And just, you know, clear the decks with God. Bitterness. It's a nasty one. Don't let it get a hold of you. Number two, to say, to say that unforgiveness, if you hold it in your heart, will affect your prayer life is an understatement. Mark's gospel. Look at this. Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse 24. Once again, Jesus very clear. Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer. What are you asking for in prayer, folks? Whatever it is, you can't have it unless you forgive. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven, every time Jesus turns to prayer, he just switches it straight back 
to forgiveness and unforgiveness. And he's, the, 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 this is the third direct time that Jesus has said, your prayers will not be answered if you do not walk in forgiveness. All right? And then the third one there, it even affects our worship. Matthew chapter 5, look. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Here's people coming to worship God. God says, I don't want it if you have unforgiveness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, if you're bringing your offering at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Jesus says, I, I, I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. Leave it there. Leave it at the altar and first go and be reconciled to that brother. So, and verse 25, settle matters quickly. Critical, folks. Absolutely critical. You know, I'm passionate about communion because I believe communion is a fantastic uh, you know, answer. It's a solution for more problems than you can list. If you will only make it a practice as they did in the book of Acts. Where daily, it says, Acts chapter 2 verse 42, daily. They met in each other's homes because they knew something that we had lost, right? I find it very difficult. We have communion nearly every day. Sometimes we forget or sometimes we're busy. But that is a key in the home. I repeat, if I give my wife communion, it is very difficult to have an argument with her. It's very difficult not to forgive her. Are you with me? It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful reminder. So it affects our worship. It affects our witnessing, of course, because, hey, if we're going to tell the world about the forgiveness of God, and then we don't have that as a spirit, a forgiving spirit, a welcoming spirit, a hope-giving spirit, then that's a contradiction in terms. It affects our giving. I once said that and someone slapped their Bible shut. They were so mad. They thought it was ridiculous. You know? I thought, oh, here we go. Slam. How can, my, how can not forgiving someone affect my prosperity? Well, we call it thanksgiving. We give thanks. You know, we give praise. And it's the same giving. Financial giving is giving, right? Mm -hmm. Just like giving forgiveness. Forgiving. It's something I give. Something that comes from me and I give it away. <laughs> all, it's all part of giving. And I reckon if somebody's heart is closed in unforgiveness, I reckon their wallet's probably pretty closed as well, right? Because it's the same channel. And if you do not give, you won't receive. And there's your blockage because there's only one you. And that channel needs to be an open channel. Point six, it will block your spiritual growth. As I said, we, we bring ourselves to a standstill. If we do not forgive. And seven. I won't go into this today. But if you're taking notes. Proverbs 14.30. Proverbs 16.24. Proverbs 17.22. All of these refer to the effects of unforgiveness. On the physical health of us. On our health. And our mental health. Okay. You have to be very careful with it. I had one guy. Probably the most bitter person. I have ever seen in my life actually, was uh, 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 the father of one of our members. He kept on saying to me, this guy, his name was Kevin. He said, I'm going to bring my dad one day. He's got big problems with the church. He's got big problems with God. And eventually, 
he got this guy in. And man, when I saw him, he was the most bitter, bitter, deeply bitter person. And I spoke with that guy. I got nowhere with him. But a strange thing happened. He was so bitter and twisted. He went outside. We prayed for him. He went outside and a few days later, he had a heart attack. Anybody needs prayer? Just come and see me at the end, okay? Praise the Lord. He had a heart attack and it was a very severe heart attack. He nearly died. And a few months later, he turned up back in the hospital. And you know, all that bitterness, it was gone. It was like someone pulled the plug on the bath. All, it was gone. He had to nearly get to death's door, you know? I felt that heart attack did him so much good. He should have another one just to finish the job, you know. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful of holding things in because it is like acid. And those scriptures I just gave you in Proverbs, they talk about the effect of unforgiveness, the effect of resentment or bitterness within your physical body. You get sick. The cure. The last part of your notes there. Very important that we know what to do. Well, number one, take it seriously. I don't like people having things against me. I'm sure you don't like people having things against you. But I don't want to hold things either. This is a two-way deal. And if other people don't take it seriously, you take it seriously. Right? As far as it is possible with you, and believe me, I understand that it's not always possible. Okay? It's not always possible. Some people just will not entertain forgiveness. That, that's not your responsibility. If they're that awkward or that stuck in the mud, it's not, it shouldn't be a problem for you if your heart is right with God. The cure? Assume full responsibility and be willing to do that. Confess it honestly. If you've done something wrong, say, I was wrong. I am sorry. Amen? Amen. Right? Acknowledge it. Don't get angry and ask for forgiveness. If you need to do that, do that, okay? Now, I've shared with you before, I, not, I don't take offense very easily. I don't get hurt very easily. I'm not sort of an angry person, but I'm human like everybody else. And only one time in my life have I ever had a big issue, uh, and it was a serious issue. These two guys really, I mean, they destroyed me. They absolutely hurt me so badly and when I grew up, my mother always used to say, look at Michael, he never holds anything against anybody. And that, I remember that again and again. She used to say that because that's my nature. It's not in my nature to hold on forgiveness until I got saved. <laughs> wow. That's a funny trick. What happened then? Something Something strange happened. The, the person who was very quick, not that it became a big issue, but all of a sudden as I entered the kingdom, I got severely hurt. I mean really hurt. And I could not for the life of me, I couldn't get the unforgiveness out of my heart. Have you been there? And I would pray for these guys. I forgive you in Jesus' name. No, I still got bitterness. I said, I forgive you in the name of Jesus. No, I'm still bitter. But I tell you this, folks, I, my heart was right. I was determined to deal with that thing. I am going to get this out of my life. If I don't, I can't grow. I can't proceed. I can't advance, blah, blah, blah. 
And I was, happened to be sitting in a meeting, a pastor's meeting, when one of those two guys stood up to share and he just said, all he said was, I'm having financial difficulty. Well, every light came on inside my head. Do good to those who hurt you. Go and get, I, I was out of that building, down to a cash point, got some money, back to the conference, gave the money to a friend and said, you give that to him and don't you dare tell him it was from me. I tell you folks from personal experience, when I handed over that cash, the anger was gone, the bitterness was gone. It was a spirit, it was a, it's what they call a sacrament, a physical action with a spiritual consequence. Sometimes you get stuck like I did. And I know that's life. Many of you will have people in your world right now that you're struggling to forgive. And you pray, but you still feel angry. You pray, but you still feel bitter. What's, what are you going to do? Go and do them something good. They don't need to know about it. Okay? Maybe they do. It's no problem. You make that choice. Whatever's pertinent, whatever is good for that situation. As I say, people can be very finicky, very difficult. But go and do the simple practices that Jesus said there. Do good to your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you, etc., etc., etc. So lay down your anger. Ask for forgiveness if you need to. And do good to the person. Now, I warn you that not everybody is approachable. And you could have situations where the person, it's just not worth going to them. Do you understand? You could have offended someone or whatever. And not everybody, not, not in every situation is this going to work. But do not live with things buried alive. Do you know Corrie Ten Boom? Corrie Ten Boom was a Jew in a prisoner of war camp, a concentration camp in Germany. And her father, mother, brother, sister, cousin, aunt, they're all dead. They're all murdered. But Kaiten Boom got out. She escaped. It's a long story. And she spent something like 26 years traveling the world talking about how she forgives the guards, the commandant, the people that were in that concentration camp for all those years, how she's able, with the love of Jesus, to forgive them. The story's not finished. <laughs> then one day, she's standing in one of her conferences about forgiveness. The same patter that she's done so often. And she happens to look down on the front row. And there's one of the soldiers. She knows him. He knows her. You killed my mother. You killed my father. You killed my sister. You and all the rest of them. She suddenly... It was no longer rhetoric. And that meeting ended and the first guy up was him. Jumped up over on the platform and that German soldier came with his hand out. And Corrie Tim Boom says this, my arms turned to lead. I just wanted him to suffer. <laughs> I could not raise my hand to shake his hand. And he said to her, I'm born again. I'm a Christian now. And she slowly oh, took that hand. You see, on the surface, she thought that she had dealt with everything. That's my point. 
But what she actually came face to face with was her own self-righteousness because actually you're no better than him. Amen? Amen. Remember that point, folks. If, if the only point you take away from today is that point, then you will survive. It's self-righteousness that is the root that leads to unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, etc., etc. When you begin to see yourself as Paul does, as the chief of all sinners, you will not find it difficult to forgive people. But when you don't see yourself that way, unforgiveness will begin to grow in the garden of your life. Last slide, please. Same construction as last week. If you remember, we said, I've got to be patient with me. If I can't be patient with the guy I look at in the mirror every day, I'll never be patient with the God I can't see. I've got to be patient with myself, patient with God, and that leads me to be patient with other people. Jesus said, my peace, I get exactly. He's got peace. He's got peace or he can't give it. And if I haven't got patience for myself, I can't give it. And so it is with forgiveness, folks. I'm delighted that we're having communion today. I didn't realize that. But I want us to forgive ourselves this morning primarily because that is the root, the wellspring within you. I put forgive God. I trust you know what I mean. Vindicate God. Call it what you want. But many, when tragedies or things go wrong in life, many people hold bitternesses or angers against God which have no place. So receive the forgiveness that Jesus freely gives you. Tell God that it's okay. And with that deposit, I want you to begin to think about people, situations where you have hurt people. And maybe, just maybe, it's appropriate that you make a phone call, you send a letter, you knock a door, or maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't appropriate because not all situations are the same. But one thing for sure, folks, make make sure that your heart is right before God and that there is no unforgiveness there so that what you're praying for, you can receive.